I'm Rhonda Martin, the Press Youth Director. We have our e-bulletin available online with links to our Connect form and website. You can access this by opening the camera app on your iPhone or Android device and pointing it at the QR code on the screen. If you're new with us today, we are so glad that you've joined us. Please connect with us by going to presschurch.tv or by snapping the QR code with your device and clicking on the I'm new link. This is not a commitment to anything, but an opportunity for us to support you and thank you for joining us. Each Monday night from 6 to 8.15 p.m., we partner with the Dream Center in Delaware to deliver groceries to families in need. We build relationships with these families and grow in our own faith as we serve others. You can volunteer once or twice a month or even weekly. To find out how you can participate, please contact Pastor Jason at jason.allison at presschurch.tv. We're collecting supplies for our neighborhood schools. We will be collecting supplies such as tissues, Sharpies, Clorox wipes, and more. If you have any school supplies you would like to donate, please bring them to the Powell campus and place them in the blue bin in the lobby. If you would like to join Press Church in making a difference in this community, there are four ways you can support us financially. If you're visiting the campus in person, there's a box by the back exit of the worship center where you can drop off your support as you leave. If you would prefer to send a check, please send it to 8794 Big Bear Avenue, Powell, Ohio, 43065. The easiest way to give is by visiting our website or texting any amount to the number 84321. Let's celebrate everything God has given us and support the community both locally and globally. Now, let's prepare to engage what God has for us today. There's a kind of love that God only loves. God only knows what you've been through. God only knows what to say about you. God only knows the real you. There's a kind of love that God only knows. God only knows what you've been through. God only knows what to say about you. God only knows the real you. There's a kind of love that where to find you God only knows how to break through God only knows the real you There's a kind of love that God only knows Well, good morning and welcome to Press Church. My name is Sean Lee and I'm the lead pastor here. And you guys are in for a treat today because I got Pastor CR and Pastor Jason here with me as we close out our current series, God Only Knows. Uh, it's always fun having them join me. I don't know if they enjoy joining me up here or not, or if even you guys enjoy them up here. I yeah, think it's, it's great. Or not they like it or I, not. All right, we got some people clapping. <laughs> yeah, it's good. So what you probably don't know, you, you don't get to see um, the interaction that we have throughout the week and talking about the sermons and talking about the sermon series uh, and really getting to work through. And so you, you have to hear me almost every week, and I think it's always great to hear the insights of both Jason and CR, they come from different places, they have different uh, thoughts than me, we're very different. It's, it's kind of funny that we actually work as well together as we do, because we are very different people. Um, so again, uh, I didn't welcome, if you are new with us this morning, we are so glad to have you here. Um, make sure, if you are new, say hi to me out in the lobby after service. I would love to, to say hi, get to meet you. Uh, and as well, for those of you watching us online, I uh, hope you are doing well. 
Uh, like I said, we're closing out our God Only Knows series today, and we've been in the Psalms for this series. And I think, um, you know, something that we, we miss, and this will be a theme throughout today, is we miss the, the corporate nature of the Psalms. Uh, it can be very personal to us. We, we read something that's very personal. And I know for me, when I was younger, the Psalms really resonated with me. Uh, I was into music, and I did a lot of stuff like that. So the Psalms being their songs and, and poems and these things like that, this, this artistic nature within the Psalms really resonated with me. Uh, and I also loved how the Psalms always pointed back to just the awesomeness of God, like pointing back to who he is and how great he is. And even in the middle of you know, everything that's going on, I mean, and you see it in the Psalms, like they could be going through terrible things and yet they still will thank God and remember who he is. And that was something that always resonated with me is the fact I like music. It's like, hey, this, this kind of works with some of the things I like. I can, I can get with this David guy and some of these other people that are, that are writing in the Psalms. And so I guess for, I don't know, for you, not to put you guys on the spot, what resonates with you guys about the Psalms? If anything, or was there a time that maybe they resonated more with you in your you life? Taking it, Jason. You go ahead. I was thrown because uh, Sean said you said something about you know like you resonate with David, and I'm like you know you kind of remind me of David. There's like okay. David qualities about I, you. Hopefully, times. I don't cheat on my wife and then kill <laughs> kill kill a guy and like get somebody Just pregnant. Just pay attention and, and kind of avoid those <laughs> things, maybe. Yeah. So far, so good. We'll we'll, we'll make sure that doesn't I was about happen. To say, <laughs> accountability is, is good. Uh, there, so, man, I, I, you open a door, and I like yeah, want to like no. preach a whole separate message here. But go um, for it. I think I think the Psalms uh, they they actually totally uh, work on a personal level as much as they work on a collective level. And I mean, a lot of it is the collective stories that have been, you know, that were passed down uh, through the Israelites. And the thing is, is like. Uh, there, there is one in particular that really resonates with me, but it's because it, it echoes Job. And, I, you know, I have some tattoos, and maybe that's offensive to people. I don't know. Ugh. But uh, one of them that I have is on this uh, arm, and it's uh, Job 518. For he bruises, but he binds up. He wounds, but his hands make, but, but he heals. His hands make whole. And uh, Psalm, uh, Psalm 147.3 echoes that because it says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And so that one's, that, that resonates with me on a personal level. I realize that there's a collective element right, to right, it, right, but right. That, that's a very personal yeah. aspect that yeah. I resonate with. So. Yeah. yeah, see for me, they're, they're all about emotions, so I don't like them. <laughs> Whatever, Jason, you're weepy all the time. You're like, <laughs> don't let that's your cover. You. He's <laughs> like, he's always like. Hard exterior, soft interior, yeah. Uh, you know, for, for me though, I, I think the Psalms, on a, on a macro level, uh, they say that, you know, the stories and the songs of a nation help define who they are, hmm. and it helps create the narrative that is that nation. And, I mean, we see it in America with the, the, the things that we remember, even the songs that we sing, it helps unify. And that's what the Psalms are. It gives us an insight into how the Israelite people kind of viewed themselves, how they viewed their connection with God, how they viewed all of these things, and it, and it really traces that emotional history, mm. uh, not just the stories and the facts and this and that, but the emotional side yeah. of who they were as a, as a nation, as, as a group of people. And so for me, that's where, I, when I read the Psalms, I, I love seeing that play in different ways, yeah. whether it's David, 
you know, or ASAF or any right. of those, you know, right. it, it, it became kind of that feel of this is who we are as a people. Mm. And it, it helped define it in that way. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, today we're going to be in Psalm 74. And um, just to give a little context for the psalm, uh, this is a psalm of Asaph. I think every other psalm we've gone through in this series has been a psalm of David. Uh, but this is a psalm of Asaph. Who, who in, was Asaph? Yeah, well, it depends on which Asaph. Okay. Are we really going to get that nerdy? Oh, geez. It could have been some music guy of David's. Uh, they had some interaction, but they don't really know. Okay, good. There you go. See, they don't really know. It's okay to say that. Yeah. All the, I mean, you can talk to more like scholarly people. They'll probably have more of an opinion. What we do know is that they were writing about, and in Psalm 74, what they were writing about was the destruction of one of the temples. And so in the, the first couple verses, you, you see them basically like kind of basically saying, God, where are you? Mm. Like something that's really important to us has been destroyed we're asking you for help. You're not, you're not helping us. Like, we're, we're crying out to you. You're not helping us. Like, and so today, even like the theme, we've had themes of God only knows. Today is, is almost like a God only knows our, our pain and our hurt. Um, we talk about fear. We've talked about dreams and joy and all these other things. And, and deep down, what I see in Psalm 74 is this, this God only knows our, our pain and our hurt. And that's how the psalm starts. If you, if you look at the beginning of Psalm 74, it's just kind of this like, what the heck, God? Probably using more expletives than that. But like, seriously, like, where are you? This hurts. We don't like it, um, and we want you to do something about it. And so the first whole part is is that them just expressing that to God. And then in verse twelve, we see a change happen. And this is uh, as we read today. I'd actually like you guys to read along with us. So if we could put up Psalm seventy four, we're going to start in verse twelve. And this is after, like I said, after the. The hurt and the pain and the God, where are you? This is where it goes. So let's read this. Let's just read this all together. But God is my king from long ago. He brings salvation on the earth. It was you who split open the sea by your power. You broke the heads of the monsters in the waters. Who crushed the heads of Leviathan and gave it as food to the creatures of the desert. It was you who opened up springs and streams. You dried up the ever-flowing rivers. The day is yours, and yours also the night. You established the sun and moon. It was you who set all the boundaries of the earth. You made both summer and winter. And it's so great to see that, like, this starting of pain, hurt, God, where are you, and then this whole section of who God is. And so, Jason, I'll let, I'll let you kind of run with well, this yeah, section the, a little the, bit. The cool thing about this section is, you know, it is the nation of Israel, right? The, the people of Israel declaring God's sovereignty. It, it, it is them saying out loud, just like we just did, right? Declaring how big and amazing and powerful God is. And, and let's be honest, after we get through the first part where they're saying, God, everything is terrible, this is awful, bad things are happening, where are you? It's a very healthy practice to then begin to remember and to recognize again who this God is that you are crying out to. Uh, and, and I think that's an important principle for us to understand as we begin, it, there's nothing wrong with complaining to God. There's nothing wrong to, with saying, God, everything in my life right now is really, really, really hard or really bad or things are things bad are happening. And so, but we don't want to stop there. 
right? There's a point at which you can keep doing that and doing that and doing that, and, and then it just, you just become a whiner, you know? And, and it's not even that the things you're whining about are incorrect. They, they might actually be true, but you got to kind of move to that next level where you say, but God, the reason I'm complaining to you is because you are the only one that could actually step in right. and, and, and do something. And, and in this section, I, I, it really reveals the writer of Psalms. It reveals his cosmology, right? How he sees everything. Because it talks about God conquering, you know, monsters. How God was the king who appointed everything. He overcomes those, those entities, those deities, even the, the lesser deities that, that represent to them the powers and the forces behind nature, behind everything. And he's saying, God, you are in control of even that stuff. Uh, you know, he says the sun and the stars and, and the words there really are the lights, right? The, those things that emanate light and, and the, the cosmology, the way that a, a Israelite in that time, right, uh, about 3,000 years ago at least, would have seen the world is the stars and so forth represented these, these deity-type figures. And if to declare that God was in control of even those was truly a, a, an act of worship, you know, in, in, in what they were doing. I love how you use big words like cosmology. <laughs> See, this is where the strengths of each, like Jason has, he's a really good vocabulary, so... Just because I can use big words doesn't mean I'm that smart. <laughs> well, there's, there's something to be said about that, right? The cosmology, our concept of the universe yeah. and how we got here and all of that kind of stuff. And um, I think that that stuff, I'm giving you a hard time, but I actually think that stuff is really, really important, okay? And uh, it, it's, it, it's really important to be able to understand uh, the existence of God uh, and, and our place in the universe and any of that kind of stuff. Uh, I've said before, like, if I didn't dig into that stuff myself, I, I would definitely travel down the atheist path. I'd, pr I'd probably be <gasps> one of the biggest atheists you'd, you'd meet. I'd give Richard Dawkins a, a run for his money. But, uh, but the reality is, it's like there is scientific evidence that points to an intelligent designer, and it's so powerful, and the awesomeness of God needs to be recognized. And too often, you know, we come into these spaces, and it's great, and we come together in fellowshipping, but we don't actually recognize or resonate and, and speak of the awesomeness of God. So there's, there's actually a little, uh, a little video thing that I want to show you guys. And we did this, uh, we used this video in, in our Press U class. So if you haven't heard of Press U, it's Press University. It's not a university. <laughs> it's not just, accredited. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, we call it Press U. And if you ever want to go into some of these deeper things and you want to, like, learn more about uh, things like apologetics and other why, big words why we that Jason would we, use. Yeah, why we believe what yeah. we believe. Yeah. Why Jason uses some of these words. <laughs> uh, come talk to us. Sign up. We'll be doing another one uh, this fall. And we had 12 people go through it uh, this last time around, and it was a great experience. And uh, we would love to have new people join that this fall. Absolutely. But uh, I want to get to the video. This is the video. So let's just take a look at this real quick here from galaxies and stars down to atoms and subatomic particles. The very structure of our universe is determined by these numbers. These are the fundamental constants and quantities of the universe. 
Scientists have come to the shocking realization that each of these numbers has been carefully dialed to an astonishingly precise value, a value that falls within an exceedingly narrow, life-permitting range. If any one of these numbers were altered by even a hair's breadth, no physical, interactive life of any kind could exist anywhere. There'd be no stars, no life, no planets, no chemistry. Consider gravity, for example. The force of gravity is determined by the gravitational constant. If this constant varied by just one in 10 to the 60th parts, none of us would exist. To understand how exceedingly narrow this life-permitting range is, imagine a dial divided into 10 to the 60th increments. To get a handle on how many tiny points on the dial this is, compare it to the number of cells in your body, or the number of seconds that have ticked by since time began. If the gravitational constant had been out of tune by just one of these infinitesimally small increments, the universe would either have expanded and thinned out so rapidly that no stars could form and life couldn't exist, or it would have collapsed back on itself with the same result. No stars, no planets, and no life. Or consider the expansion rate of the universe. This is driven by the cosmological constant. A change in its value by a mere one part in 10 to the 120th parts would cause the universe to expand too rapidly or too slowly. In either case, the universe would, again, be life prohibiting. Or another example of fine tuning. If the mass and energy of the early universe were not evenly distributed to an incomprehensible precision of one part in 10 to the 10 to the 123rd, the universe would be hostile to life of any kind. The fact is, our universe permits physical, interactive life only because these, and many other numbers, have been independently and exquisitely balanced on a razor's edge. Wherever physicists look, they see examples of fine-tuning. The remarkable fact is that the values of these numbers seem to have been very finely adjusted to make possible the development of life. If anyone claims not to be surprised by the special features that the universe has, he's hiding his head in the sand. These special features are surprising and unlikely. common-sense interpretation of the facts suggests that a superintellect monkeyed with physics and that there are no blind forces worth speaking about in nature. The numbers one calculates from the facts seem to me so overwhelming as to put this conclusion almost beyond question. There is for me powerful evidence that there is something going on behind it all. It seems as though somebody has fine-tuned nature's numbers to make the universe. The impression of design is overwhelming. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. So maybe, uh, may maybe that throws you off and you're like, ah, I don't like all those weird numbers and all that crazy kind of stuff. But all uh, the science people are like, that was awesome. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think it's pretty awesome, and I would encourage anybody to dig into this stuff. These are facts. This is not made-up stuff. These are facts, right? Wait, but Christians and science don't work together. Yeah, that's a crazy thing that people think, and it's so wrong. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so in, in line with this, though, one thing I've noticed 
Like, I, I agree, those are impressive, amazing, and yet there is a point at which I'm looking at it going, so? Like, I mean, it's so yeah. big, it's hard for me to yeah. really grasp it, but what I have noticed is that in my life, when, when I begin to reflect on those things, usually is when I'm in, in, in pain mm. or I'm struggling with something and yeah. I need something to be bigger than me. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that, yeah. That's kind of where this, this happens is I hit these places where I need to realize that God is bigger and things like this remind me that, you know, I'm not just hoping yes. that when I come to church and we get together and we sing that maybe that means if we believe hard enough that God exists. No, 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 no. Like the video showed, like, there's so much evidence that even when I'm struggling with something, I can at least rely on hope that God is there. Yes. And that he is doing something yeah. in that. Yeah. Yeah, there are a couple paths that you can go with this information. A lot of times when people reject God or the idea uh, of God, it's an emotional objection. A lot of the things that you might hear, or maybe you're even in this place and you've said this, it's like, if God exists, then all this bad stuff, all this pain can't possibly, it wouldn't possibly exist. So that, that means that a, a loving God cannot exist. Um, the, the opposite to that is you're not God. God is awesome. And you don't know what God is doing with all of this, including all of the pain. And at some point in this process, you have to let go of your own ability to comprehend what's going on and go, God has it. God is awesome. God is bigger than me. So that's, that's kind of like the, the thing that you're going to be dealing with there. And I, and I think you're absolutely right, Jason. That's, that's where this gets to is life is full of pain. Life has real problems. And many of us are facing real challenges and we're asking God to help us. And maybe you feel like God isn't showing up. Uh, maybe you just feel like, nah, I don't believe God's listening to me. I, I, maybe you can conceive of this idea of this, of this God, this theistic concept that you have, but you just can't see him loving you. And, and th that's important. It's important to process that, and that's why we do that as a community, because it's very easy to fall into that trap and start feeling like, God doesn't love me. He's not there for me. I don't know. Maybe he's there for these other people or something like that, but he's not for me. And um, these are all ways in which evil mess with our minds and try to basically spoil our identity, make us feel like we are not children of God. We, we are not important to him. And, uh, and that's why we always talk about uh, our, our whole goal here is to help people embrace their identity in Christ. But in order to be able to do that, you have to understand that God is real and he absolutely loves you. And, you know, you know one, one thing I want to say before we move on, I totally get if somebody was coming into a church, like I, I can't even imagine, like if you've got a lot of stuff going on in your life and there's hard things going on, you could easily walk in here and be like, these people got it all together. I cannot relate with any yeah, of these they, people. These, these people are so much better than me. I don't know why I'm... Right. Even in this room. Because we yeah. all put on an image. We've right. all, it's what we do, right? right. Yeah. And uh, it's, it, you know, I promise you, we're all going through stuff. Some people are going through some seriously rough stuff. Right. And just because you walk into a community like this and you don't see that, people don't have signs on their head that say, I'm dealing with this and I'm yeah. dealing with that. I'm really glad anxiety. we don't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that would be kind of awkward. Doesn't so. mean that people aren't dealing with it. I promise you. And that goes for everybody, even those of us on the stage. Yeah. So. Yeah. Just something extremely important 
But I think that's also why studying the Psalms and, and working through it and, and, and engaging it and, and, you know, CR's favorite word, wrestling with, you know, with the Scripture is it begins to uh, cause us together to declare something and, and to restate something and, and to again and again together in the same room thinking as one, this is who God is. And that begins to shape us. Yeah. Right? That, that begins to inform the way then I respond to the things around me. It, it reinforces, oh, wait a minute. You know what? If, this, if all these other people believe this, maybe I can lean on their belief for a little bit mm -hmm. enough to get to the point where I can begin to embrace it. And then maybe I can begin to understand how God will show up in my life yeah. and make a change or allow me to change uh, within the context of what I'm going through. Yes. And uh, to me, that's why it's so important for us to be here, right. to be together, because we then, you know, maybe you're at a point where you're going, you know, I'm actually, things are going pretty well right now. You know, I don't, I don't have any major... Stop depressing me with all this pain talk. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, well, guess what? That means you provide something within the context of community right. where you can become that person that says, hey, I know there are other people struggling, so I'm going to be here to, to just, you can lean on me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and we all have parts within that, and we have to do it together right. if we are going to move forward and help everyone move forward in their faith. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, as we go further, because we're working through Psalm 74, it's really important. To, I want to read this next section. Actually, Sean, I might need you to kind of lead it because I'm having trouble reading the prompter over here. Yeah. But, but uh, I, let's read this next section together. I want to talk about this. This is 18 quick. to 23. Yes. So let's read it together again. Remember how the enemy has mocked you, Lord. How foolish people have reviled your name. Do not hand over the life of your dove to wild beasts. Do not forget the lives of your afflicted people forever. Have regard for your covenant, because haunts of violence fill the dark places of the land. Do not let the oppressed retreat in disgrace. May the poor and needy praise your name. Rise up, O God, and defend your cause. Remember how fools mock you all day long. Do not ignore the clamor of your adversaries, the uproar of your enemies, which rises continually. I feel like, you know, we, we've, we've talked about the awesomeness of God and the recognition of that, but you get into this next section, and it's a plea. Don't forget us. Yeah. Remember us. That's important to acknowledge here, you know, and, and I think we need to do that individually and collectively. Um, acknowledging our pain, taking it to God, working through that together, that's critical. And that's mm -hmm. this picture that we get when we work through, the, through Psalms. So even when it seems like we have it together, we, we don't. <laughs> so just kind of remember that. And like if we can all embrace that and kind of walk through stuff together, that's what this is all about. Yeah. But I think that's, that. I, mean, I said at the beginning, there's, there's going to be this this theme that runs through all this, and it's the fact that it's, it's this, it's, it's us, it's the body of Christ. Um, 
and it's really easy to, I think we live in a society that's very individualistic, or at least pushing, you know, it's like you find your truth. Actually, and you scientifically, we do live in a society that is. <laughs> there you go. They, I mean, they've done psychological studies. Right. And this yes, is why America Jason is, great. is one of the most individualistically <laughs> focused yeah. nation in the world. Yeah. That's not good, bad, it just is. No, it just is what yeah. it is, right. Yeah. And so when we, anytime, even in these sermons and reading through scripture, we can, we can be almost too siloed in the way that we're taking in this, uh, in, in the Psalms, in, in Scripture. Um, and, and doing this together is, is so important. Um, I think, you know, even if you look back into the history of the Psalms, and I think, Jason, you might have mentioned this, but, like, the Psalms were read aloud together. Like, when, they, when people would go through the Psalms, it would be, like, in a big group of people, similar to what we did today. Like, everybody reading it together, uh, proclaiming it together. Um, and it was a very communal thing. And I think that we, we can easily miss that part of our faith because we know that, you know, it can get messy when other people are involved. Like, I have to deal with other people now, and I have to deal with this person, and they like things that are different than me, or they tend to get really hyper-focused on this. And it does get messy. You know, we've said that. I, I remember, like, probably like a year and a half ago, we did a series, and uh, the core of it was like, what's the issue? It's like, people are the issue. Like, mm -hmm. people are the problem. And yet, we're all in this together, right? Like, we have each other. We're here together. We each have those pains. And I think that that's, you know, throughout all of Scripture, you do see this community aspect coming forth. When, you know, when Paul's writing to New Testament churches, when he says you, he's not speaking to you individually. He's speaking to you corporately. You church in Rome, you church in Corinth, you like whatever he's talking to, it's, it's them. It's, it's a whole group together. And I think that, you know, if we can begin to work more in that community aspect, we will see great things happen. We'll be able to understand scripture better. I can't tell you like how much more scripture means to me even working with these two guys because we'll be working through a passage and I'll think it means one thing and, and Jason will be like, well, think about this. He's speaking to this guy and this just happened. It's like, oh, I didn't even think about what happened the chapter before. And then, you know, CR will take it in some other level and I'll get another. It's like, it makes scripture come alive in a way that I wouldn't have seen it myself. And this is another, you know, big thing for getting into life groups. We're going to be launching life groups again here in about a month or two. We need you in community. Like reading scripture together is so important uh, to your faith. And it keeps us from being just siloed. It keeps us from just thinking about ourselves. It allows us to start looking outward. And we're actually going to be obvious. We're, we're closing out God Only Knows series today. We're going to be starting a brand new series next week that's going to be really focused on that, on looking outside of ourselves and understanding that we're not the only ones going through stuff. Um, you know, CR mentioned that it's probably easy to come into church and just think everybody else has life together. Like, wow, that person, their kids, they were whining and complaining and, oh, they must have a perfect life. And man, we have, our house is a mess and we've been fighting all week and we can't get anything done. And, and you start judging yourself off of, of these assumptions of, of people that, that are in the church. And I think that we need to get to a point where we can see ourselves in light. We can view others in the same light that we, we know that God views us. When I can view somebody else knowing that they're viewed and loved by God just as much as I'm viewed and loved by God, then, then that's, a, that's a big deal. Um, and I, I put this like, if, you wanna, if you're writing notes today, you know, when I think about this community piece, this shared experience piece, there's three things that I think really come from this. 
when we live in this idea of being in a community, of, of sharing experiences, of knowing other people uh, are in the thick of it as well, there's three things I see happen. One, we start to see people differently. And that's, I just mentioned that. When, when you recognize the fact that other people are, are burdened and hurting and in pain too, you start to see them differently. It's like the bully that is at school. When you hear that he's getting beat at home, now all of a sudden you have empathy for him. You don't see, you, you don't see the fact that he's being a bully. You see the fact that he's, he has pain inside and he's trying to get that out. And so for us, when, when we start to share experiences and work through scripture together, work through life together, we start to see each other in a different light. We, we don't see them in that, you know, that perfect image that, that they maybe show on, on the weekend. That but, does, though, require us to be vulnerable with each other. Absolutely. You know, like that, that's the thing is it, it means I have to let that mask down a little yeah. bit and I, I've got to let those defense, those defenses down yeah. so that when someone does come in, I don't always try to project this. Mm. I got it all together type image. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm okay with saying I'm not always okay. Right. And that's, a, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a, a big place to get to. thing to do. Right. Because and until you trust that God actually loves you, even though you're right. messed up, you know, then it's really hard to let that guard down right. and to admit it to anyone else. I mean, we're not going to do like group therapy every Sunday morning, and you got to we, we sit around and you know. We, but, we were going to start sharing <laughs> sins on Sunday mornings. Well, we'll like, start with you. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Sean. I'm actually, a I was I'm a list, terrible person. I was going to list your sins. I was hoping we could do it that way. <laughs> Just a scrolling screen. Of, <laughs> see, now you don't feel so bad about yourself. <laughs> but so we do see, we can see people in different light. And, and, and the second thing is there's, that unity is achieved. I, I think when we can see people in a different light, then we are more likely to be unified with those people because those things that we think disconnect us are now, it's like those boundaries are starting to fall. Um, and, and that's a big thing. So the first one is we see people differently. The second one is we unify. And the last one, we give grace. Um, I know for me, like, there's times where someone's doing something I don't like, and if I call them out on it, a lot of times the reason they're doing something I don't like is some internal thing going on in them. It's like, and, and I'm making assumptions on why they're doing it, uh, and then they're like, yeah, well, I'm struggling with this right now, and I know I've been acting this way, and, and then all of a sudden it's like, wow, like, I can give grace, I can give mercy knowing that they're struggling, like, they're going through something hard, um, and I think that's, the, like, my hope for us at, at Press Church is, I mean, you may, you may be here for the first time today, and you don't know, you don't know me, you don't know Sierra Jason, you don't know anybody in the room. Um, my hope is that our church is a place that you feel like you can come in and learn about the gospel and learn about God and learn about who you are because of who God is and not, and not be judged and not be uh, looked down upon and just be able to experience the love of Christ through this body. Um, you know, I think too many times, if, if you don't know, like, the church isn't, you know, like, the most loved place right now. Like, if you go out in culture and ask people what they think of a Christian, it's not the, the best thing. Um, and we have to recognize, if we're going to make a difference in our community, if, if we're going to actually um, get in people's lives and help them, like, we have to start treating other people with love and with dignity and with empathy, knowing that they're going through a lot. And if they think that we're just like, well we're really good people and God loves us and we're Christians. So like, that's not, that's not going to help. Um, and I think we need to get to the point where, you know, wherever you're at in your journey, 
that we can offer grace to the person next to us. Because that's the thing. I think we, we look at following Jesus like, a, like an on-off switch. It's like I was, I was in darkness, and now I'm in light. And it's just like that on-off, you know, I was bad, now I'm good. Mm-hmm. And we miss this, like, this concept of the journey of our faith. The fact that your journey is going to look different. There's things that you struggle with because of your past that maybe I don't struggle with or vice versa. And if I'm judging your faith just on that one action, that's so, it's, it's so simplistic, it's so minimalistic that it's like that's not what we want. Like we believe that the power of the Holy Spirit in your lives does transform you, that it does change you. We talked about you know, a couple probably about a month or two ago, old life and new life. Mm-hmm. You're made new in Christ, but yet we still fight with this old self. I still fight this selfishness and this pride and this anger and whatever. And I think that you guys want yeah. to say something. Well, I was so. going to say part of our brokenness is that we try to judge others on their journey. So right. you don't know how far someone's come along. You just look at them and you're like, well, they, they're doing this or they live that way. Right. And uh, first off, it's not our place to be judging that way. And secondly... <laughs> That's comparison, and we're comparing ourselves, and a lot of times we try to feel better about ourselves by comparing our sins to someone else. That is not what Jesus has called us into. Absolutely. Yeah, and I I think with that, you know, we become what we worship, Mm. and and so as if we are worshiping a God, and in our mind, a God who is constantly judging or making other people, you know, they're like, oh, that person's terrible, that person's terrible. If you aren't just like this, you aren't good enough, Mm. you aren't, you know— if that's the God that we worship either together or individually, then that's how we're going to treat people. Mm -hmm. And so that's why going back to the Psalms, you know, over and over is saying, okay, let's see what God is really like. And we see that God is a God who is not only all powerful, but all loving and is the one who gives grace. And so that means we as individuals and as a people should become, should be becoming more like that kind of God. And if we aren't, Maybe we need to check something, right? You know, yeah. but if we are, then we should be living that kind of life right. every day, not just on Sunday morning. Yeah, absolutely. So closing out, God only knows. Next week we're going to be starting a, a brand new series, and it's called "Friends in Low Places." <laughs> yeah, it, now, now <laughs> you get when you hear that, you got to know. We're going there. We're going there. Blame it all on my roots. I showed up in boots. I bet you got, even it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter if you're into country or not. I promise you, if I start singing, you can sing along. You gonna do it? Don't, oh gosh. I'm not singing with him. You wanna do it? Oh, go for it. You don't want me singing. You know that. Go for it. Do it. Cause I got friends in. Places where the whiskey drowns and the beer chases my blues away. Well, I'll be okay. And I'm not big on social graces. Think I'll slip on down to the oasis. So I got friends. That's you guys. In low places. There we go. See? Give yourselves a hand. Yeah. If you, if you didn't notice, we actually didn't rehearse that. No, we did not. <laughs> that was not planned. Yeah, here's the thing about that, though. You know what's, what's funny? You go out in, into the world, the regular world, and it's like there's community in that. You're saying, I'm in a low place, and I got friends that are in low places, and that, that, that feels inviting and welcoming. Why aren't we like that in the church? Yeah. yeah. What's the problem? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
So I think Appreciate that speaks. It's like a modern day hymn, honestly. <laughs> but it says whiskey. Uh, it says whiskey and beer. We, we got a problem with that. So, yeah. hey, all the great hymns used to be bar tunes. They just put right, Christian course, lyrics yeah. to it. That, so. is, that is true. I'm that, in. That is true. That's your trivia for the day. So friends in low places, that'll be the main thrust of this next series. I hope you guys can make it. Uh, it'll be fun to work, work through this. But really, here's the deal. Press, we want to be a place that we can join together, not looking down on the people around us, not looking higher than somebody else, but realizing we're in life together, and we believe in Jesus. We believe in what Jesus did for us, and we want to, to go on that journey together. We want to grow in that. And because of that, we want to find who we are in Christ and as we find who we are in Christ, we know that we're going to make a difference in the lives of people around us. So that's what we're inviting you to. Uh, I hope this God Only Knows series was good for you and you learned something. And I, I hope that, that we can dig into the Psalms differently because of this series. That you can go to the Psalms and see it as uh, a place to give a voice to what's going on in your life. Knowing that I'm not alone in pain or I'm not alone in uh, whatever I'm dealing with. And to also go back to that foundation of just how awesome God is, how great God is, how big God is, even that video today, like, it, we can, we can have uh, faith that is reasonable, like, this isn't just some made-up thing, like, oh, this God figure, and we do this to make ourselves feel better, like, this is reasonable faith, and you can see it all throughout our world, all throughout creation, that we serve a powerful God who loves you and is there for you, so let's pray. God, I thank you uh, for our time together. I thank you for those uh, that are here in this room, for those who are watching online. And God, wherever we find ourselves today, I pray that you would be, um, that you would be so real to us this week, that we'd be able to feel your presence in our lives, God, that we would be able to rest in who you are. God, that as we read through your word, as we pray, as we gather together, that we would continue to be just reminded of how great you are. And that even though we may be struggling, even though we may be in hard times, that we may feel distant from you, we may feel like we're in the valley. Uh, God, that, that as we learned in Psalm 23, God, you are our shepherd. You are leading us. You are guiding us. And sometimes the, the frustrating thing is that even in those toughest times, we tend to learn the most. And those are the times, too, that we, that we do lean to you, that we do put our faith in something bigger than ourselves, knowing that we are limited. I thank you for being a great God. I thank you for all that you do, whether we see it or not, whether we recognize it or not. I thank you for how you, you're moving. And, and, and God, for each of us today, I pray that that your, your, your presence, that your spirit would guide us this week in our conversations, in our interactions with coworkers and, and classmates and neighbors and family, that your spirit would lead us and guide us, God. We thank you for all that you're doing and who you are. It's your name we pray. Amen. I'm gonna invite you to stand and join us as we continue in worship. <laughs>